what I know how to do is I know how to get you to follow through with the things that you know you should be doing, but you're just not doing them. Because to me, that is, that rings true, not only in fitness, but in every area of our life. I feel like all of us have things that we know we should be doing, <laughs> but we're just not doing them for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And that's kind of been that question is kind of what entered my brain a few years ago. Yeah. And I was like, why, why, <laughs> like, why do we know we should be doing, but we're not doing it. And, and so that's what has led me down this kind of behavioral psychology mm -hmm. research and, and realizing that that is the name. Um, having you on the show. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. You look great as well. Thank you. Thank you. What have you been up to, man? Uh, today or just in general? Just in general, man. What's going on in your life? <laughs> uh, what's going on in my life? I'm getting ready to start my own 10-week running program where I'm going to try to run a uh, sub-five-minute mile for the first time. Nice. So that's kind of something that's that's new and exciting. I'm running my trial my trial run tomorrow morning at 6 30 to see what i'm uh where i currently stand and then we'll uh set the goal and then i'm going to give myself a 10-week training period and then we'll see what happens have so are you a regular runner in general um i wouldn't say i'm a regular runner no um i've always been pretty good at running i played baseball and football in high school and you know we did running and, and training and stuff for that and I've also, I've always been a, a pretty good runner, but I've never been a big runner. I haven't really done that many races or anything yeah. like that. And, and I'm not somebody who has run a ton. So now bumping up my mileage to like 20 <laughs> miles a week is, is kind of weird for me, but uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. That's so where'd you get the idea for a sub five minute mile? Yeah. You know, it's, it really comes from because I'm a fitness goal setting coach myself and I coach people through like their own fitness goals, whether whatever it is, whether it's losing weight, a performance goal, doing more pull-ups, doing more push-ups, whatever it is. I coach people through the fitness goal setting program. And so I was like, I've put myself through other goals outside of fitness using my framework, but I haven't used my framework as specifically for my own fitness goal. And I was like, okay, what would I want to do? That would be really challenging that allowed me to kind of walk the walk and, and put myself through the same framework and, and kind of running a faster mile seemed like something that could do that for me. And the other big thing was, you know, like I had mentioned, I played baseball and football in high school. And then in college, I played a lot of intramurals and stuff. And I loved that competition. I loved the feeling of game day and having that, that, uh, that motivation and that high sense of urgency. And you don't get that as much after, after sports. And so this was kind of another outlet to channel my inner athlete, if you will, so that I could actually be training for something. Because a lot of times when you're in high school or not really in college, unless you're playing sports in college, but you're training for that sport, you're training for the season. And after the season, you're not as motivated necessarily to train. And so 
I wanted to give myself a very specific reason to train to get me even more motivated. I like it. That's cool. It's a little different. I think I can identify it with it. I was, I was a collegiate track and field athlete. Oh, wow. And so, uh, man, I just, just train forever. Lots of training. Well, then what, uh, what advice are you going to give? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, man, just the mileage is good. It's like, um, I was a track and collegiate track and field coach too. So I coach sprinters and long distance runners as well after my sports training career. And well, this um, podcast is good timing then. I know it's strange, right? And you're telling me this. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I, well, one, I remember when I was a sprinter, I was a sprinter. I wasn't a long distance runner, but uh, we had to do a mile time trial once a month, like every month, all wow. year long. And it was always like, it had to be a six minute mile. That, that was like pretty easy for us. But uh, I think it went, I got down to close to five minutes at one point. I mean, I was a sprinter. Like I hated distance running. Like right. everybody on my team hated it. But, you know, you run so much, it just, it doesn't become that hard when you run. So the mileage was good. The mileage really just depends on how much your body can handle. You know, right. some guys can run 120 miles a week, guys, girls, and they're okay. Some people, they run 30 miles a week and their body's broken. It's just completely destroyed. Yeah. It really just depends, but a combination of endurance, steady state running, and also um, speed endurance, and then also speed work. If you combine those three things, it'll still be hard. <laughs> but yeah. It's a great goal, but it's a painful goal. It's very painful. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's painful because it's just, it's, a, it's essentially a sprint for five minutes. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's kind of what people think about health and wellness or fitness in some ways is that oh, well, like you're done. You're in such great shape. But like, no, like when you actually get in a really high level of fitness, it's still, it's actually harder. It's yeah. incredibly difficult because you're at such a high level. The pain is incredible when you're doing it. Well, so like, you, you know, at each higher level that you get to, it takes more to maintain. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So that you said five minutes, I was like, man, this is ambitious. Sub five. Especially like when it's not in the sense of like you're with the team, training with the team, you know, you have coaches and like you're just doing it, you know. Like <laughs> I, I do, gotta I hear do. about this. <laughs> yeah, well, so so I do have I do have a running coach that's gonna okay. help me out um, with with planning and everything, and he's gonna meet me at the track one time a week for uh, my primary speed workout each week, mm -hmm. um, and he's helping develop my game plan and stuff like that. So I at least have a little bit of support yeah. and motivation there from somebody who knows what they're doing. So, yeah, I tell you a workout we used to do that was nasty, but it was, it was help. It helped with strength, building strength in your running it was, it was developed at the Naval Academy. It's like no rest 400. So basically you start and, and you do it on a track. And so you're doing lane eight because lane eight's way up there where, where the numbers are. And it's, it's longer than 400 meters. And uh, you, you know, you have a time. So let's say your pace is like 60 second pace, 70 second pace, whatever. You run that pace all the way around the track. And when you hit the finish line, you stop and you walk up to lane eight again. Then you start again. Mm. So it's almost like there's no break. It, so it, yeah. it gives kind of the mindset of like, okay, I am taking somewhat of a break but you're running a little faster than your race pace when you're doing right. it at a lane eight. It's, it's brutal. You do like 10 uh -huh. rounds of it. It's very ugly. You yeah, feel terrible. Brutal. You feel terrible. <laughs> 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 I 
I used oh to hate gosh. when we had to do it. I was like, no, not this. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. No, thank no. you. But it toughens you up. You definitely get tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hill running is sure. great too. A lot of hill running. Where do you live? Um, I live in Midtown area, Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, man. Awesome. I, I've been to Knoxville a couple of times for college because okay. I ran at the Sea Ray relays there a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, real nice place. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've been to Knoxville a few times too. One one of my roommates is actually from Knoxville and we've been to a few uh, UT football games there and that, those are a good times. So it's a huge stadium. Yeah, <laughs> like, huge. Huge. I think it's one of the biggest like in the it is, country. It is. There's you know, there's only uh maybe like five to ten that can hold yeah. over a hundred thousand and it's it's one of them. So for sure it's huge. Wow. That's incredible, man. So tell me about your health and fitness journey. Like, why did you get into it? Yeah, well, it, to kind of go back again, I played baseball and football in high school and I loved sports, but I also like fell in love with the training aspect of mm -hmm. sports. And when I was a, I think it was a summer before my sophomore and junior year, or in between my sophomore and junior year of high school was when I realized I was getting pretty good and I wanted to take it to the next level in terms of my performance. And so I got a personal trainer when I was in high school and had a good relationship with that personal trainer. And then years later, when I was in between my, uh, in the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college, I was back at my home gym working out and my trainer happened to be there and we were having a conversation and he come, came up to me and said, have you ever thought about being a personal trainer before? And I was like, kind of like, not really, but, and he was like, well, I think you'd be really like, I think you'd be good at it. Uh, come up, come up to me after your workout and let's talk about it. I was like, okay. And so essentially he told me about it what certification to get went online, got certified. And then I went back to school and I started teaching group classes at orange theory fitness, um, probably five, six months later and just been off and running ever since. That's pretty cool. So what is, what would you say have been the, the best parts and the most challenging parts of being in the business? I think that they're, they're kind of two and they're kind of two in the same. The best part is when you do see people make progress. Like I can still so distinctly remember one of the very first times that I felt that way when I was teaching a class and a lady came in and was only able to run a certain speed on the treadmill and whatever it was, eight, 10 weeks later, I was very, I was kind of like tracking her progress. And then I saw her be able to like hit a speed she never hit before. And the gratification that she got out of that was so cool. And so I think that's kind of one of the, the best things is being able to see the progress. And then I think one of the, not, I wouldn't say like worst things, but one of the most frustrating things is when you want their progress more than they want it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're, you're just like racking your head against the wall. Like, why won't they just do it? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like you, you see the way for them and they'll start being consistent. But then after two weeks, after four weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, they'll fall off their nutritional habits. They'll fall off working out, whatever it is. And so, when you feel like somebody has the potential to make progress and for whatever reason they don't, that's one of the most frustrating things. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely identify with that. I mean, so I've been a trainer for almost 20 years now. So um, I've seen it all. When it comes yeah, I'm to sure. that. And I'm you sure. see that where you can't want it more than they want it, you know, and right. And even though it's, it's frustrating, um, especially when you see like they're making progress, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is going well. And you're, this is really going well. And then they're like, yes. And then it starts going down. Yeah. And then like two or three weeks later, yeah. they can erase it. Yeah. So. Sabotage in a sense, you know, it's. Uh, so so I, let me, let me, let me throw a question at you then. You throw it to me. Cause, cause th this was the thing that I kind of really realized about a couple of years ago mm -hmm. when I when I had been in, in it a couple of years, I realized like this was my biggest frustration. Like, what can I do to keep people consistent? So to kind of throw the question to you a little bit, what do you feel like is different between the people who are able to stay consistent over a longer period of time for the people who can? Great question. Uh, actually, I talk about this with my clients all the time, <laughs> different things, because a lot of, see, I have a very long-term business. Most of my clients, probably 80% have been with me well over a decade. So oh, wow. I, my whole business yeah. is referral base, all long-term, like, like forever. That's what they want. They want it till one of us drops <laughs> the relation. It's kind of strange, but I've noticed through all of these type of individuals, uh, one money is not an issue for them. There's no monetary, like, well, if I do this or I don't do that or discretionary, that's, that's not even, that's not even part of the discussion. Meaning because they have plenty of it or because they're just willing to prioritize their money in that way. Both. I would say both probably because they have more money, but even if they, there's plenty of things they don't spend money on either, right. but they, they're just very into like, this is a part of their life and they don't right. want to exist without it. They just don't want it. Uh, yeah. beyond that, I, I think that one of some of the biggest things is that, um, they want a relationship. They want a personal relationship. They want it to be more than just a training relationship. Like, Hey, we're friends. Let's enjoy this social time with each other. And so I'm very, very big on that. Whenever I actually do onboard new people, which is pretty rare because I don't really, I'm not seeking out clients, but, um, when I do, I'm very upfront with like, this is a personal relationship and a training relationship. And this is a commitment oriented relationship. So if this is for your wedding, you know, the beach season, I am not the person for you. Mm. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, this is a consistent relationship that we're going for. And if we do that, not only are you going to feel better physically, mentally, but socially, emotionally, you're going to grow. And this, we're in a, we're dating each other, <laughs> but this isn't like, we're not swiping when we're dating. Yeah. This yeah. is a long-term commitment oriented partnership. If you're into that, I'm into it. And so I, those people, they want that. They want that they're part of your team. This is our team. We're on a team together. Yeah. And the people aren't into that pretty easy to spot very quickly. Yeah. They cancel cool. immediately all the time. <laughs> they got excuses. Yeah all the time. And, uh, you know, they just don't want to do the work, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I like that you've identified that as your kind of clientele. Yeah. Also, I ask a lot of very pinpointed questions and I think what's really good is like in the beginning is, um, 
you know, what do you want out of this relationship emotionally? And they're like, what? I want to get fit. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's part of this whole thing. What do you want out yeah. of this socially? Type, just, I asked them different questions or do you really believe you're ready to start training or is this window shopping for right. you? A lot of people window shop. Yeah, a lot of no like, doubt. give me a quote, send me a quote. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a you good know. point. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you've been able to spot spot people pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, if if they're worth it or not, or if they're serious about it. Or yeah, not. it's the serious nature of like, hey, this is a commitment. I'm sure you get it with people now. Well, how many times should I work out per week, or this and that, or what should I do? You know, I try to provide a lot of science for them. But also I try to be very honest and being like, I don't know. I don't know how much we should work out because I've never worked with you. I don't know your super compensation levels, all this. I don't know. We're going to figure this out. I'm probably going to start you conservatively and then build up over time. But, you know, I'm not, if you want to do five days a week with me starting off and you have zero exercise history, that's a no. (laughs) We're not not doing five days a week. That's crazy. (laughs) Like, you know. Right. But I mean, what's been your experience with people as you onboard them and, and you're doing, are you doing things like 10 week things with them or so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in regard, I'll kind of speak to, at least in regards to keeping people consistent and, mm-hmm. and keeping them committed. A, a big part of it is what you said is making sure that I'm coaching them from a place of where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Not like putting every, like, like I have group like for right now, I have a group of 12 people in my goal setting program, but all of them have their own strategy for their own goal. So some of them are working out three times a week. Some of them are doing four times. Some of them are doing five times based off of where they're coming from. And then a story that I like to tell a lot of times is a client that I started with last summer, I think came to me and we hopped on a zoom call and he was all excited and all motivated. Like most people are right in the beginning. And he said he wanted to lose 15 pounds and work out five times a week and cut out all sweets. And I was like, that'd be awesome. Like, I'd love for that to be the goal. How many sweets do you currently eat? And he said, well, I currently have 14 desserts a week, one for lunch, one for dinner every single day. And I was like, pump the brakes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we scaled up, you know, after the conversation, we, we scaled it back to where he started off eating seven desserts a week for the first three weeks and six desserts a week for the next three, then five for the next three, so on and so forth. And now he's at the point and for a while now he's been at the point where he eats zero to two desserts every single week. And that's, you know, an amount we can manage. And so that's a huge thing is trying to, you have to talk down the, it's it's funny because (laughs) we come up with a goal and everybody comes up with, what they think they should be doing based off of what they kind of see other people doing. They think they need to be perfect in order to achieve their goal. When in reality is they just need to be a little bit better than they currently are over a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest things. And then the second biggest thing is just coming up with a very specific strategy that they actually believe is going to get them the result. So like for me and my program, we set a very specific goal and then we come up with, two or three, what I call progress indicators. So if they do them, it indicates to them that they're making progress to their goals. So maybe it's, I'm going to work out four times a week for 45 minutes. Maybe it's, I'm going to eat 10 healthy lunches and dinners this week. 
with like a couple of things, a couple of metrics, if you will, that they truly believe if I do these, that I will achieve my goal. And, and when you, and, and I actually believe that I'm willing and able to do them. It's not too much to, to ask of me right now. So those are kind of the, the couple of big things, having the belief and then coming from a place of not too much, like coming, uh, yeah. I, 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 my term is workable. I say it's workable. It's, it's willing, you're willing and able to do it based off of what you've been willing and able to do in the past. Yeah, I, that's great. So what do you think you've learned the most about yourself through working with the people you're working with in health and wellness? Yeah, you know, it's, I think that what I've learned is I, I wanted to get down to like the truth of the situation. So that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense at <laughs> surface level. Um, like to me, I want to know what drives consistency over a long period of time. Mm. I don't care about what, I don't care about like, how can I get to this number this quickly? I want to know what drives behavior change mm -hmm. consistently over a long period of time. Yeah. And I say that as what I've learned about myself because I feel like a lot of people in, in this industry aren't necessarily like that, which is not bad, but a lot of people try to, I feel like they try to get the result as quickly as they can, or mm -hmm. they just want to train the person and, and kill the person and work them really hard and that kind of stuff without really thinking about it long-term. And, and my biggest curiosity and my biggest hope is to figure out what behavior change looks like and how it takes place over a long period of time and to be able to provide my clients with the resource, with the knowledge and with the kind of ability to do that. I, you know, it was interesting watching you think about that it was very <laughs> fast. Like it was just the wheels turning the whole thing. And I, it's, I think from a really genuine place, I could tell. For that, actually, my my doctorate's in behavior modification, mm. so I wanted to know how do I create long term, consistent behavior, desirable behavior, for the clients I'm going to work with, which in turn creates a long term consistent revenue flow for me as a in a profession that's frankly pretty hard to do over time. Yeah. There's so much turnover for it, and I think one of the biggest things I learned was that. Um, this sounds weird. I think kind of, but the exercise is kind of secondary. It's, I think we're no, so hundred percent, right. I think we're so focused on tactical training, high intensity training. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. It's great. I love doing all that, but we're so focused on the physicality of the, of the profession, you know, go to this conference and do these group X classes, learn these new pieces of equipment. I often avoid all that stuff when I go, I'm like, Anyways, uh, let's talk about human behavior. Yeah. Let's talk about how people become connected to each other. What I've learned in my business is that I need to create a safe environment for so psychosocial and emotional expression for that. Mm. So I want my clients to feel very comfortable with me as a human for that. Yeah. And so some of the yeah. other things that I like to do is just like, having time with them outside of our training session 
yeah. for our specific thing that we do together. And uh, so I, I've made that a big part of this, like developing this very tight relationship that exists both in training and outside of training as well for that. And then not focusing on volume. I, I think that's the biggest mistake in our industry is too much focus on volume and scaling. But if you find if you find the right psychological profile for the right people that fit what you're doing, you you won't have to worry about turnover. Yeah. But some people like that though. They want to onboard new people all the time, all the time. I just rather have the same people for decades yeah. and focus on them versus constantly pushing. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm not with training. I'm just trying to help certain amount of people that I can physically work with actually and, and help and help them on a larger scale in their world. I can't train millions of people. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I really don't want to do that. I, right. you know, so I think it's all like, are you good at building relationships with other people? And I think you have to ask yourself that question. Are you good at that? Like, yeah. how is your yeah. relationship building in your life with your friends, with your family, romantic relate are if like if you're pretty bad at all that i don't know how great you're gonna be <laughs> as a trainer yeah, yeah no 100 i mean <laughs> I, I feel like i do have a, a question that i want for you that i want to get to but i want to yeah. do a, kind of address how you you said i forget exactly how you said it but like the fitness comes is secondary or yeah, whatever exercise it was. a second yeah exercise a second i think we're definitely cut from the same cloth in that regard yeah because so many trainers again it's not to bash people who are like this sure. but so many people are, are obsessed with like reps and sets and mm. coming up with new exercises and and all like these fancy new things yeah. to to be able to present with their clients which are which are good and, and there's a place mm. for that but being able to change their behavior is definitely like the more difficult thing because any like and it's it's because the it, consistency is everything because people over a short period of time can be motivated. Reps and sets and cool exercises. But once you're done working with them for a stint, then they're going to go back to being mm -hmm. who they were. And so being able to come from a place of behavior modification um, as, as your education is, um, is in, is huge. And there was something else that I wanted to <laughs> add on top of that, but I'll probably think of it a little bit later, but the yeah. question that I had was one of the big things, you know, everybody talks about is, is motivation. And that's what a lot of people come mm -hmm. to me saying, like, I'm not, I'm just not that motivated. I need someone to give me a, I need something to give me a spark. I need something to give me a kick in the butt. And a lot of times having a defined period of time of like, I know I'm going to be doing this for X period of time. I know I'm going to be doing it for 10 weeks, or I know I'm going to be doing it for 12 weeks or for four weeks, for eight weeks, whatever it is for whatever reason that resonates with people that clicks with people. So for, for you and in your business, there is no timestamp and you want people to stay committed over a long period of time. How do you feel like you deal with people's motivation levels so that they never let, they never get too low to where they don't stay committed. If that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's a, uh, okay, follow me here. <laughs> so, so I try to, well, one, I, I teach them the technical definition of motivation, which is very old from like the sixties. I think it's like Albert Bandura or so it's, 
essentially, you know, having a direction and having energy towards that direction. That's the technical definition of motivation. Like yep. you can't have one without the other, you know, you need to have both of those things. But I also tell them, I give them permission to not like exercise because, and then I give them, I say, you know, it's okay that you don't want to do it. And you probably shouldn't want to do it because there is a biological mechanism for that is that humans are conservation machines and we no longer forage hunt really have to protect ourselves on a daily basis that's biologically what humans were spending their calories on for a long time and current kind of hunter-gatherer drives a tribe still do that the concept of what you and i do is completely foreign to people who don't live like us yeah that live in africa and uh south america they go why would you go running why would you do a five minute mile run they would think that's crazy i am active for living surviving growing all those things so what we're doing is highly unnatural from our biological perspective and anthropologically it's extremely unnatural if you look back on it there's plenty of research that indicates and supports that the whole thing so i go so yeah you probably shouldn't like doing it it's okay guess what i don't always want to do it either <laughs> and i've been pretty much fit my entire life i still don't want to do this crap sometime you know <laughs> so yeah. let's just get over this whole thing of that this should be fun this should be exciting you should love it you should want to do it so i always say the messaging you've been given is wrong You've been given the wrong message about that. It has to be this happy, happy, joy, joy thing. And you have to, you know what? Getting fit is hard. It's hard. Sorry. That's the truth. If it's, yeah. a, it's an adaptation method. Something harder than what you're used to. Adjust. Something harder, what you're used to. Adjust. <laughs> it's a stimulus game. And I just yeah. tell them that. I'm like, so if you want to improve the way you say you want to improve, it's not going to be that exciting in all the time. The exciting part may be the relationship we're building together and the funny, the jokes, the charisma, you know, the laughing during it, whatever. That's, that's part of the showmanship of the business, uh, which I think is also heavily lacking with a lot of trainers. I'm like, it's a performance. Yeah. You're on stage. What else? There's not many jobs where you have to come prepared every time to be like, like basically like your best version of yourself every yeah, time. Yeah, like eyeballs on you. Yeah, like you can't just like, hey, let me go close the door to the office and uh, cry on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> or no, but like, but like seriously, like close the door or like nobody's going to walk by so I can be looking at whatever I want to on yeah. my computer. <laughs> time for Tetris or scroll through social media or something. You know, yeah. it's like, when is that possible with what we do when we're right. facing off against somebody? You have no choice but to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. So I just, I just have those conversations with people, very honest conversation. You're probably not going to like it. You biologically, you shouldn't like it, but guess what? This is the, what we have to do. And yeah. guess what? Life's not going to get any better for this. We have made technology has made our lives so easy that we're never going back to this manual labor society unless the right. grid gets destroyed and we get blown back into having to plant everything. Like yeah. we're making life easier. And to my knowledge, nobody's trying to go backwards on that. <laughs> so, 
we have to be going to these weird places like gyms or outside and running for health or swinging, you know, swinging things around like, sorry, this is just what we have to do now. So just deal with it. (laughs) No, I like that. And I really like what you said in regards to the motivation, the, the motivation and that like you don't, you're not supposed to like it because yeah. I think I think a lot of people do feel like I'm not motivated right now, so I'm going to wait to do it when I'm motivated. Yeah, what is like, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's like it might peak its it might peak its yeah. head every once in a while, but if you wait every single time until you're motivated, then you're always going to just be in that yo-yo effect. It's like um, when you're saying I'm going to wake I'm going to work out when I feel good. When does that yeah. happen all the time? I'm like. <laughs> I mean, like two times a week. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times I work out and I don't feel the best. Should I not yeah. do it? <laughs> I mean, like, right. No, 100%. 100%. And I, I kind of remember what I what was going to say earlier is the X's and O's of working out like this and the reps and the sets is not the most important thing. And that's what I communicate to people that I work with. What, like, I was really having a conversation with somebody on the phone yesterday who was getting ready to start as a client. I was like, look, I'm a good trainer. I know how to give you good workouts. I know how to give you good nutrition advice, but what I know how to do is I know how to get you to follow through with the things that you know you should be doing, but you're just not doing them. Because to me, that is, that rings true, not only in fitness, but in every area of our life. I feel like all of us have things that we know we should be doing, (laughs) but we're just not doing them for whatever reason. And that's kind of been that question it's kind of what entered my brain a few years ago. Yeah. And I was like, why, why, <laughs> like, why do we know we should be doing what we're not doing it? And, and so that's what has led me down this kind of behavioral psychology mm-hmm. research and, and realizing that that is the name of the game. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and I, you know, I've gosh, I've been around trainers most of my life. And I feel like the other thing is like, the trainer has to be, has to do an evaluation of the self. Like, are you somebody that people are inclined to want to spend time with? You know, like there's always this evaluation of the client, like, oh, the client doesn't want to do the client is is lazy. I'm like, no, actually maybe you're the problem, not the clients. (laughs) How do you come off to other people? Evaluate that in all aspects of your life for that. And there's a lot of honesty in that. And one of my other podcast episodes, we were talking about parenting and stuff. And and I was talking to a psychologist and we were talking about the power and asking your child what type of parent you think they, they like, hey, do you think I'm a good parent to you? Yeah. How How am I doing as a father? I talk to my daughter like this and she gives me raw honesty because kids are very honest they're extremely yeah. honest he's like well you're a very good dad but i like it if you did this this and that a bit more the problem with adults sometimes they'll lie to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, for sure they'll lie to you they won't tell you the truth they should tell you the truth but i think it's look at yourself you know and that's one of the things i also ask with my clients is i want you to be really honest how well do you think i'm doing as providing this service to you just take it, take it in the gut, man, whatever they say, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that's not done enough. Trainers don't ask for honest feedback about their performance. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I don't, 
I don't think I consciously do that. Now, now I'm going to like <laughs> at, on Thursday when I meet with my, this group again, I'm going to be like, all right, guys, throw it at me. Give me the real stuff. How do you think yeah. I'm doing? How can I improve? I mean, that's, that's part of cementing that relationship. They're like, oh, I have a say in this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want, I need to improve. I want you to get better, but I want to be, you're helping me become a better professional by giving me feedback. I think most people are just scared to hear what people are going to say. Oh, for sure. Right. The rejection. I'm already scared for Thursday. (laughs) Scared. (laughs) (laughs) And that'd be good. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. You see, you got a great presence about yourself. You know, you're just like, come off very, you got a kind uh, presence. It's just very natural. I, I, I sensed that the media, immediately I saw you, I was like, oh, this isn't like a nice guy. I will appreciate it. No, it's right true. Gotcha. But it's, but some people they get on and you don't feel that with them. And you have to think yeah. the client feels that too. They kind of get a sense. I'm not sure about this person yeah. <laughs> from the get go. Yeah. So the presentation of the self and the evaluation of the self, I think is completely not happening in our business yeah. at all. No, I agree. I agree. I think that, um, I think the, the, like those two, the two things in regards to like how to become a better trainer. A lot of people just think, give me the science, give me the science. Give yes. me the, I need to go to the workshop, but the behavioral psychology is probably talked a little bit more about, mm-hmm. but then the evaluation of the self is, is yeah. huge by, by both just self-reflection and by actually getting verbal feedback from those people yeah. that you work with. That's scary, right? I mean, I've been married for almost 17 years. I asked my wife, how can I be a better husband? Tell yeah. me, whatever, just lay it on me. If What am I not good at as a spouse? And you have to be vulnerable in order to receive that and not take it the wrong way. You know? Well, I'm going to put you on the spot there then. Is there anything that you're currently having to work on with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that I get too tunnel vision about when I'm working. So like I have, I have like this whole thing, like within a half an hour of starting my day, like I don't want anybody to talk to me. I want zero communication. And it's hard during this pandemic. My daughter's home with me all the time. My wife's at home, uh, you know, teaching online. So it's like everybody's always around me. So sometimes having like kind of my that window, I need like focus. Cause I, what I do before I start my training day is I really spend a lot of time like, okay, this is like, I'm warming up for my performance. How do I want to present myself today? How do I want to come off? I want to make sure that I'm being the best version of myself. There's a lot of mental energy into that for me. I just don't like turn it on turn it on and go, yeah, I'm training right now. <laughs> like right. there's a, so I think that sometimes I could come off being standoffish to them. And so we just had to have communication like, hey, within this time frame, I just would like to have my own space. That's right. the thing. They call, they say I'm like a rhino because I just just ram through everything and I'm like very like, I'm so focused. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's doing his rhino walk again. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. But I know I ask, how do I know if I don't ask? Yeah. You know? No doubt. It's funny. I, um, I ask everybody at the end of my podcast show, what are three things that you can do to get closer to the best version of themselves? And I remember it was a while ago now. I'm kind of surprised that I'm remembering, but a specific lady said I would more frequently ask 
everybody, she was a, she owned her own company and has her own team. And she said, I would more frequently ask my employees and the people that I'm around with all the time, what do I do that drives you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, it's essentially the same thing, right? You're asking, yeah. for, feedback, you're asking for things that you do wrong. And yeah. I mean, that was, it was hilarious. But I mean, she expanded on why and everything. And it's, it's super important and it's, it's a scary question, but I feel like it always is probably relatively scary, but it gets, maybe you get more and more used to it as you go. Yeah. It's like anything. It's, it's like, I used to run a really high end club for over 10 years and like, it's hard to fire somebody, but yeah. honestly, if you do it enough, it's not that hard. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but you're like, okay, I've done this. I mean, you can get used to almost anything. If yeah. you do it enough, negatively or positively. Yeah. And that's just one thing I always learned was just like asking people. Like I have a client who's a very big time psychologist and she's like, yeah, I ask my friends all the time, what kind of friend am I to you? Am I a good friend or am I like one of those friends who's like really annoying? Like, and their friends are always like, oh, it's always put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like this is annoying like, this is like, annoying this, these annoying questions part, yeah. are annoying <laughs> but i don't know i feel like we go around like trying to read each other's minds and uh i oh, don't know sure. what you're thinking is like you know you have to ask people like hey what do you think of me like that is a really vulnerable question what do you actually think about me yeah. And, and just wait for the bomb to drop, whether it's a good bomb or a bad bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned your podcast. I would love to know a little bit more about that, like why you started it and, you know, your whole thing about it. Yeah, man. Um, so I started it, my first episode was launched in October of 2018. So I've been doing it for nice. a little over two and a half years, I guess now. And I got really into podcasting when I graduated college. I was at a personal training job and I was driving around a lot. And I also had kind of recently quit a job. So I was kind of in this, I call it this kind of like vulnerable stage in, in regards to, I had quit a job after two weeks of starting it. And I had been, I was doing some group training and a little bit of training here and there, but I had a lot of kind of free time on my hands when I wasn't, when I was like reading a lot, listening to podcasts a lot, watching YouTube videos a lot, doing all that kind of thing. And so things were influencing me left and right. And I was just, I was in this sponge phase and I still am in a sponge phase in my life, but I got really into listening to podcasts and I felt like I was learning so much and I was growing so much just from listening to those. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then kind of, I, when I was doing personal training, I also realized that I, I wasn't being as fulfilled just by personal training as much as I maybe thought I was going to be. And a lot of that was because I love fitness, but I love the greater idea of how we can get closer to the best version of ourselves. And I kept trying to discover what my why was, like what my main motivation is. I've always been somebody who's works hard and I'm like, why, why, why do I work hard every day? Why, I'm, why am I disciplined? Why do I work out? Yada, 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 yada. And I kept coming to, I just want to get closer to the best version of myself. And I honestly hated landing on that. I hated it. And because, it, because it's so frequently said and it's just kind of a cliche now, but then I kind of realized why I hated it. And it was because a lot of people use that phrase, but they don't tell you exactly how to get there. And so I was like, I want to be able to come up with some sort of framework 
as to this is how you actually get closer to the best version of yourself. And this is kind of what you should be doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis in order to get closer to that individual. And so with that being said, I also read a book and I will never forget because this quote was kind of the, that last spark of you should do a podcast. And I, I read a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson and it read, every man is in some way my superior. And in that I can learn of him. And I was like, like put the book down for like 10 <laughs> minutes. And I was like, that was good. And I was like, you know what? I just want to go learn from other people, other successful people, see what they've done, see what they've gotten, what they've done to get there. And then be able to implement that in my life and also be able to kind of share that message with other people. So that's kind of the long story, long version of why I started the podcast. And I've been running it since October of 2018. And I have released two episodes every week, at least two episodes every week since then. But over the past couple months, I've implemented a third episode every single week. And it's been, I think to me, one of the best decisions I've made. That's fantastic. I mean, well, one, you have longevity in podcasting longer than most people do, because uh, as you're probably aware, it's a get in, get out type of thing for a lot of people, because it's actually it requires commitment to put yeah. out episodes every single week and put out good stuff. So uh, that's amazing. That's really, really fantastic. I mean, it, it, it shows the kind of quality person you are. Like that's a long time to be putting out that much content and regularly and that you, you, you want to learn from people when you're doing it. I feel like we're like a very similar version of each other. Yeah. Like no, it's strange actually, <laughs> like, because <laughs> I mean, mine has not been as long as yours, about a year and a half, but I'm the same thing, like two, three episodes a week without fail. Boom, boom, boom. Just learning from people. How do I grow as a person? Just want to have quality conversations. No and it, there's some, there's a purity to that. I think in podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think the number one reason why I've, been able to stay consistent over a long period of time is just because I'm committed to it because there's never been the thought in my mind of, am I going to stop doing this? I've always yeah. just been like, I'm, I know I'm going to continue to do it, to do it, but it's also just been because I am curious. I am yeah. wanting to have good quality conversations and learn from the person who sits on the other side of the yeah. computer screen with me, or if they pre pandemic came in here and, and sat down with me. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's, I, I love it. I mean, it's, you just have a real sense. There's something about you that's definitely like, there's a magnet to, you'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll get to know me more. Like, I just tell people about themselves. I'm very into that. Like, it's, it's kind of a technique I use. One, because I learned it. But two, I just think it's really important to tell people how good they are when you recognize it. And you have a goodness about you, Nick, that is, it, it travels through the screen. I sound very new agey hippie. I know, I know. <laughs> but no, man, you have a it. warmth. You have a warmth to you that is uh, very, um, it's nice. It's, it's good to be around. Mm -hmm. That alone makes you worth spending time, just your presence. <laughs> so I think it's important for you to know that. You know? Well, I appreciate it. Well, I want to um, get something out of you then because one of my, I, I think I'm pretty good at acknowledging people and 
giving compliments, but over the for some reason I realized that maybe I'm maybe I'm not as good at giving compliments as I wish I was. And so I don't usually have something I'm doing for Lent. So I grew up Catholic, um, but and my roommates are do Bible study and they're doing stuff for Lent. And so I'm doing something for Lent. And my Lent thing is that I want to try to intentionally compliment somebody one per one at least one time a day. And basically because I want to be better at subconsciously seeking out what's good about people. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want to be yes. looking at somebody for why they're good, for why they're special, for why they're unique. And, you know, you said it's something that you kind of learned as to like mm-hmm. be aware of what makes other people good and unique and, and special. So how the hell can I get better at it? <laughs> It's uh, very intentional. Actually, I learned it during a basic counseling course I took in college. And the whole thing was, it was all about those types of things, how to listen to people, open-armed, how to project and tell people good things. I actually used to do this uh, exercise with my staff, which was three people would sit next to each other, two people on one side, one person in the middle, and the two people on the side, their job was to be effusive in their praise for the person in the middle. The funniest part was watching the person in the middle try not to accept it. They were mm. they didn't like it because they just weren't used to being told they were good. But if you just teed off on them and were negative, they would happily engage in the negative behavior because they're more used to receiving negative things and engaging in negative behavior. So often positive behavior is much harder to induce in people because they're not used to it. They're not used to being told they're good or you have a great presence. They're like, hey, you know, Nick, you need to do better at this. Or why didn't you do that? Versus like, hey, you're really good at that. And I like the way you come off when you talk to people and stuff. It's awkward for people. I mean, you sure you talk to people and you tell them something good and they just kind of blow it off. Yeah. They don't say anything. They just move. Well, you know, okay. Anyways, well, let's move on to the next. It's like, whoa, whoa, let's back up. Why? And I tell people this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, why can't you take that compliment? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just told you something nice because I wanted to. And you just basically just threw it away. Well, I'm just not used to that. I'm like, listen to how you sound. A good thing you tried to throw away. But if I tried to engage you in something negative, you'd want to talk about it constantly with me. We got to change this whole narrative. There's goodness in so many people. So it's just, it's just being intentional. I, you know, some trainers write notes to their clients and stuff like that, or like handwritten notes. Those are good. Yeah. And I think like, if you're going to do stuff like that, make it powerful, like really powerful. Like, I think you're an amazing person. I love how during your session, you like to ask me questions about things or how, when you think something's really funny, I can tell like it really brightens you. Like, like be specific in your intentional yeah. positive. Don't be like, you're awesome. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> like, what is it? Guys, when I was saying this to you, I was like, okay, what in my mind? I'm like, Nick, he's got this presence. There's a warmth here. There's an energy. There's a feeling. There's a kindness on the face. There's the sincerity to the questions. Like not a lot of guests come on and want to ask a lot of questions. Like they, they want to chat the whole time, <laughs> like, right. which is not bad. It's part of being on the show, but like, you're truly an inquisitive person. I could tell, I can tell that it's a great thing. So 
keep on doing that, man. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't have three questions to ask you at the end. I don't, I just, you know, I don't know, man. I just kind of roll with it and I'm like, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, how about, how about, let me, let me, let me pose you. You don't necessarily have to come up with three, but okay. It, what, what, what I usually always preface my last question with is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey. And I think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. And so I always say for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of yourself, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? I think for me, especially is just gaining more information and learning about pe how people behave. I mean, it's part of my background and education, but I still am learning so much about how to interact with other people. So I, I, I've told this to a lot of people. I'm seeking enlightenment. That's mm -hmm. what I'm seeking. I'm seeking to go up the pyramid of higher level thinking. I want to try to achieve formalized thought process or a, a self, sorry, self-realization. I would love to try to shoot for that. Probably won't get there, but I mean, that is like a huge, huge aspirational thing for me is how do I become more self-actualized? self-realized. And so to do that, I have to continue to learn about other things that I don't know about, be receptive to being wrong about things and, and to see my body as more than just my body. As I aspire to be a trainer that is moving beyond the realm of just exercise, but the realm of um, more, honestly, more spirituality-based training in the sense that psychosocial behavior, environmentally conscious based trainer. How do I, how do I achieve the highest level of all realms of wellness? So I have yeah. to have to live in all those realms and try to get better in all those components. The physical part is often just <laughs> what people are focusing on, but I right. think it's actually a smaller por portion of the pie if I really think about it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't no, spend I a lot of time on that, you know? Yeah. I have a, um, a book recommendation for you. It's called Transcend by Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. Oh, and he calls it the, it's like transcend the updated version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. or something like that. Something, something of that nature. And it, it has, has a lot to do with enlightenment and has a lot mm -hmm. to do with becoming more and more self-actualized and, yes. and stuff like that. So anyways, I just thought I'd say uh, that's a great, uh, that's actually a great recommendation. I got to check that out. And I think that I, there's a struggle in trying to achieve that because on some level of trying to achieve it, I don't think that I need to try to become like this personality, this big, huge thing for that. In many ways, I need to let go of that sense of self and just focus on the few things that I could do in each area to become better and not focus on so much of like being out there all the time and getting everything. People see, see me, see me. I think so much of our society is see me, see me, see me. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm posting, blah, blah, blah. I think I've consciously decided to do very little of that to make this journey something that is not focused on what people are seeing of me, but what I'm seeing of myself and focusing on internal 
mechanisms versus comments or things that people are saying so much from posting things, whatever like that. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing because it's kind of like, I'm like, well, I'm just not going to market myself that much and do all these things. I'm going to focus on how do I get better for myself and how do I get better for the group of people I want to pour into versus yeah. pouring into a lot of people, like a lot. I can't pour into a lot of people all the time. So I got to pick and choose how I do that while also continuing my own journey on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that I talk about. I, I know we're, time is kind of up, but that's something that I talk about in regards to getting closer to the best version of yourself. Like you get to define what the best version of yourself mm -hmm. actually is, actually does, actually looks like. And so, you know, it sounds like you've had the, the visualization of the conversation with yourself mm -hmm. that the best version of myself maybe isn't this person who wants to have this big personality or isn't this person yeah. who's like, I'm going to change the world, but the best version of myself is actually the kind of person who um, stays more internal and has really great connections with a lot of people, but not many, as many people as maybe yeah. I thought of as before. And a, the problem is a lot of people try to adopt other people's version of success. And they yes. see that person is, is wants to change the world. And that person is trying to get in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So that's what I should do too. So that's what <laughs> I should aspire to be. Yeah. But then they waste so much time chasing that down and then they're unhappy as hell. And they're like, yeah, they, they don't, they, they don't take the time to be like, what is my definition of success? What yeah. does my best version of myself actually look like? Right. And maybe that's not your journey to be this big influencer or have all these fans or whatever. I mean, if that's your journey, that's great. That's your journey, but maybe it's right. not, maybe this, that you're just on a local level, you're very big in your community and helping out and be, and maybe you just, nobody ever finds out about what you do. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I mean, that's like, there's hundred percent. That's, there's so many, you know, different stories like that. Like there, I feel like movies are about like the yeah. untold story of this yeah. hero. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like yeah. a mom or it's like a dad who's just like a hell of a mom, a hell of a dad. And, and a, like, that's how my grandmother passed a couple months ago. And, and that's how I feel like she wasn't anything huge, but to the people that she, like, she knew, like she was everything. She was a superstar to them, probably. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow, that's amazing. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, it had to be tough, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. Nick, this is awesome. This is one of my favorite conversations. I'm not joking. Well, I've done I like hundreds and fun. hundreds of these over the time, as I'm sure you have. And uh, I, on my end, man, what a good person you are. I mean, you seem like oh. such a great guy. Like, really, you got a great mindset, and uh, it's going to take you far, man. Well, I appreciate it. I want to acknowledge you as well. It's been a, it's a, been a great conversation for me and I appreciate your intentionality and in, in seeking out what makes me good. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Well, listen, thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Man. Yeah, man. Thank right, you right, for right, listening right. to this right. episode of Dr. D's social network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone.